You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Matt Peterson. guys. I love this place. I believe in this place and the wonderful people that are leading this. And I know so many of you, it's great being here. All right. I want to just dive in here. Apologize for the voice ahead of time. It's a little scratchy and uh, I don't know what's going on, but um, let me just dive in. Lord help. And thank you for this place. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for that worship. Lord, for those words Robin just shared. Thank you for, goodness, how you've surrounded us with hope. You've surrounded us with your love and your kindness. I ask that you'd reveal yourself to us today, even in new ways, and uh, make it real, Lord, for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well... Talk to a bunch of believers, I'm assuming, here today, which is really good. And uh, I want to talk about some things that, you know, we know at the same time. Sometimes we need reminded of what we know. I do many, many times. Some of the very best things, some of my very favorite scriptures, passages, It when you read it over again, it's like it's brand new. And I need it, my soul needs it, and it's just it's so life-giving. And so that's probably one of these things today. But, you know, you can be a follower of about anything, any person. There are people who are followers of Confucius, people who are followers of Calvin, people who are followers of Muhammad, people who are followers of a lot of different things, the Torah, Right, you can follow the Torah. You can follow some person that you really like what they say, like a, let's say a Jordan Peterson or a Ben Shapiro or a lot of other people. Right, you can be a follower of a lot of different people. You can be a follower of Bill Johnson. You can be a follower of, how about the Apostle Paul? Right, you can be a follower of Jesus. You can follow philosophy. You can follow religion. There's a lot of things to follow. And, you know, it's what we call in the social media when you're following someone, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, where you can follow this person. You can follow them. There's a lot of things to follow. Of course, if you're following Jesus, particularly the Apostle Paul, you're going to benefit a whole lot more than you're going to benefit, or maybe it's detrimental to some people you follow. You follow some folks, they are taking you the wrong direction. So you want to be following the right ones. We all know that. But you realize that when Jesus started walking and invited people to follow him, that that was not the end. They also needed to do several other things. There was another, there were other parts of this relationship that were so unique and different than anybody else who's ever had people follow them. One of them, the father said out loud when he audibly said, this is my son, listen to him. At the Mount of Transfiguration, the father said that, listen to him. So yes, follow him, but I also want you to listen to him. But Jesus said something else that is like another level, 
another level of esteeming what someone says or what they do or just behaving like them. Jesus really ups the ante. He reveals something that's unprecedented, that had never been said before, never been explained before, never been invited into anything like this before because no one could ever do this. Unlike any other leader, any other doctrine, religion, philosophy, Jesus said some life-altering, salvation-producing things. But he also invites you and I into a lifestyle and a quality of life that is unprecedented, and it's a union with him personally. That is entirely different than just following someone. When you are united with someone, that's different than just appreciating them from afar or even near or even having a great relationship with someone. Jesus said, I mean, everything he said was earth-shaking, life-changing, world-shaking type of things. This is one that I think is one of the most upsetting in one way. And beautiful and spectacular in another. When he talked about being united with him. Paul said it this way. After he got saved. He said in Romans 13, 14. He said, put on the Lord Jesus. Put him on. You know, if you go in your closet, every one of you did today. Thank you, by the way. When you went in your closet today, you looked around and you thought, what am I going to put on? You chose a blue shirt. I chose a blue shirt. Whatever it is, shirt you chose, whatever pants you chose or skirt or whatever, you chose what to put on. Paul said, put on the Lord Jesus. That's interesting language, isn't it? Put him on. Don't just follow him. Put him on you. What? Interesting language. Paul also said this, Galatians 2.20, we all know this. When I was leading the school of ministry at Morningstar, I used to do this often, almost every day with the students. I'd say, these are your vitamins today. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. Right? And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That is also a little different than just following something or up here. And then Jesus, we're going to look at this. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it or on your phone or however you want to do this, or I'll just read to you. But it's John 15. John 15 is the only gospel... John, you guys, I know you're going through John right now, and I love the book of John. We all do. John chapter 50, this is the only place this story is captured, and all of the four Gospels is in John. And it's one of the few chapters that every word in it, if you have a red letter version, it's all red. There's not any comment. This is just straight Jesus, every single word in this chapter. John 15, let's read a handful of these verses. So interesting. And beautiful. John 15, 1. I'm going to read out of the New American. I'll also use a little passion here as well. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father 
is the vine dresser. So right off the bat, Jesus is declaring who he is. He's saying, I'm the true vine, which I think that also means some other things you could read into. There's also some false vines. If he's the true one, then there's, you wouldn't have to say that if there was just one. There's a lot of false things you can get connected to. There's a lot of false things you can dive into. He's saying, I'm the true vine. Secondly, he also is saying that my father is the vine dresser. So the person who's taking care of the vine and everything related to the vine is my father, Jesus is saying. Let's read verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. In the Passion, here's how it reads. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The Father is propping up those connected to Jesus, pruning, helping, taking away things. Sometimes taking away doesn't always feel good, right? You ever had something taken away? Sometimes that's God. Sometimes it's relationships. And some of those things are really necessary. The Father knows. He's the one that does it. He's the vine dresser. The Father's doing this. Jesus says, says, I'm the vine. My Father is in the garden. He's working with every person that's connected to me. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. There's a cleansing that happens when you read the word. When the word is heard, there's a cleansing. There's something that takes place. It's a living thing. This Bible is what the scripture says, right? It's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's alive. It cleanses us. Jesus says, you're already clean with the words I've spoken to you. Verse 4, then he introduces something that's never been talked about before. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. We all know this verse. You know what abide means? It basically means this. It's real simple. To remain, to stay, to not leave. So if you're abiding somewhere, if you're abiding in this building right now, then you would never leave. You just stay here. Now, you're not going to abide here. You're going to come visit once a week or so. But the place that you abide, you're supposed to stay. You're supposed to remain or at least go back to every day. I have a home. I abide in my house. I do leave it, but I return every day. It's a place that I keep going back to over and over and over and over. I abide in that place. I stay in that place. Jesus is saying, he's inviting, actually, To abide in him. He says, live in me and don't leave. It's your choice. It's my choice if we're going to leave him. And I don't mean like a complete leaving him. Of course, that's your choice too. A lot of people do that. But there is a daily choice of us abiding in him or not. And he's saying here, 
the only place of fruitfulness is by abiding in him, staying united with him. And if we're not united with him, there's no fruit. I want to be fruitful in my life. I want to produce things, the kind of things that Jesus produces. He says there's only one way to do it. A few years ago, I did something, um, took a trip out to Napa. Anybody out, been out to Napa, done a tour? I've done several wine tours um, in my life, different vineyards. I enjoy doing that. This one was unique, though. This one was like a spiritual experience for me. It really was. For one, I've always loved this passage that Jesus is talking about, this vineyard passage. But on this particular trip, it came alive to me in a way that it never had before. And it was really because of the person that was giving me the tour, giving us the tour. This was a person who was a, I'm not going to pronounce it probably correctly, Vineron, basically a vine dresser. What Jesus refers to a vine dresser, we have modern terms for these today. Vineron is one of them. And he gave us this tour. And it was fascinating. We can put up that first photo here. I'm going to show you something above my head. Here we have vines. This is from a vineyard. This isn't the one I was at, but it's similar. And you can see this is called um, the trunk now is what they call it, the vine, the main, the main part coming out of the ground. And then it goes up into two different directions. So you've got the trunk or the vine, and then the branches are going to grow out of that. Go ahead and go to the second slide. This is what Jesus referred to as a branch. Or they call them nowadays, they call them buds. Same thing. Or scion, same thing. Scion, bud, branch, all the same thing. And what it looks like, he showed me it. It's about this long, and it looks like just a stick. I mean, it just looks like a stick. You see that along the ground, you're just thinking, that's a stick. But it is inside of it has the DNA to produce fruit. It doesn't look like much, but if it's connected in the right place, it does a lot. If it's not connected in the right place, it does nothing. So that is a branch. And part of that DNA that's in there tells it whether it's going to produce a Malbec or a Shiraz or a Zin or a Cab or whatever kind of grape. It's all programmed inside of that stick, even though all the sticks look the same. Let's put the next one up. This is interesting. This guy who's taking me on this trip or giving us this tour explained something. I asked him about grafting. And here's what he said. He said, well, let me explain to you how this works. And he showed me about the, the bud. He showed me about the trunk and how this is done. You know, the picture we saw a couple of them ago, you see the vine coming up or the trunk coming up and then it splits off. Well, when they graft, here's what they do. They take a saw and they cut it off right below the cross. Okay? They cut the trunk off. And then the juice in that trunk or that vine starts 
this is what they call it, this is their terminology, to bleed. And it bleeds a lot. And they let it, what they call, bleed out. So the trunk that produces this juice, just the juice just keeps coming out, coming out. They actually wait a few days. And then they take the kind of grapes that they want to have on this bud, this little branch, this little dead-looking stick. They bring that. They sharpen the end of it. They cut a hole in the side of the trunk. Come on. They cut a hole in the side of the trunk after they cut it off of the cross and let it bleed out. They dig a hole in its side. And then they take what looks like a dead branch and they jam it in that hole in the side of the vine as it's bleeding. And then they wrap it with tape. Which is, that's what you've got. They cut it off at the top there, and they put two branches in, and they taped it up. So here's what's interesting. If you were to just go and plant your own grapes, I've got some in my house, it's going to take probably four to five years before you're going to have some decent tasting grapes. But if you have an established vine that has its root system already in the ground and it has been for a while and there's juice flowing in that and you graft something in, you within one season, two at the max, you have absolutely mature fruit. Because of this, the juice in the vine, the juice in the trunk flows into the dead stick and gives it life causes what's already in its DNA to produce. All it has to do is get connected to the vine. That's all it has to do. It's got to get jammed in there, wrapped up, and not leave. If it leaves, the fruit's not going to be good. It's going to die. It's just simple. It's not like a judgment. It's just a fact. You get disconnected from that trunk and you're not going to produce anything. This is what Jesus is saying. Let's go to the next slide. I forgot what I... There's a great picture of one. Instead of got cut off right before the cross, got uh, got new bud jammed in there and now it's growing like crazy. And then I think I've got one more. I think there's one more at the end. Nope. There it is. That's what it looks like a year later. How about that? One year. Now, as he was showing me this, it was like John 15 is going off inside of me. And I'm realizing how beautiful this is of what Jesus has done. If I will abide in him, this term that he's never used before, that we've never understood before. He's saying, and he's inviting you and I to abide in him. To get wrapped up in him, get jammed into him, we're all wrapped up and don't leave that place. And make sure I'm connected to his juice. If I'm not connected to his juice, I'm not going to produce something. And as he's going through this, as I'm at this vineyard, I am seeing an invitation from Jesus that I've never seen before. You know, when Jesus said this, 
In John 15, you realize the context in that moment, he already had disciples who were following him and listening to him. He already had that. He was inviting them to something different. He was inviting them into an abiding relationship that would be difficult to understand. He gave them a vineyard to help describe this. And I think it really was going to take place after he rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit came. But he's inviting them, his already disciples, his already followers, those people who are already listening to him, into something that would last them the rest of their life and cause them to be fruitful in ways they've never been fruitful before. Jesus still is inviting his followers to do something different than we do in just following or listening or reading our Bible. But it it has a lot to do with how we see, how we think, where we are in our spirit. Let me just keep reading. Let's go to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. I don't even fully understand that. But I have driven by vineyards that have had piles of stuff they've clipped off that they're going to burn up. Stuff that wasn't producing what they wanted to produce. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. just keeps using this word over and over. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How about that for a promise? How about... You get jammed into Jesus and wrapped up in him. His juice is flowing in you. You can then begin to ask whatever you wish. And Jesus says, I'll do it. That's different than just someone who's following as well. He's saying, this this is for those who abide in me. This is for those who are in me and I'm in them. Verse 8. My father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father, verse 9, has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. I think that's the juice. Abide in my love. Don't leave my love. If you find yourself not feeling loved, if you find yourself not, I always say it this way, like living in a bathtub of God's love surrounding you all the time, you're in the wrong place. You got to get back there. We are called to live in his love and abide in him personally. That's what he says. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, lastly here, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. How you see yourself, how I see myself, is crucial. It's vital to how you're going to function as a person on this planet and how you're going to live as a believer from now through the end. Let me ask you this. When you uh, got ready this morning, before you went to the closet and put on something, when you looked in the mirror, maybe you looked after you put on something, what did you see? Who's that person standing there in the mirror? How do you view yourself? Do you view yourself as someone who has been born again, renewed, following Jesus best I can, responding to him, being a good person, being a good spouse or son or daughter or whatever that is, 
all that is good. But let me ask you this. When you look in the mirror, do you also see, along with those things, he's in me. I'm in him. We are united. In fact, we're that place that we saw, showed the picture of the bud jammed into the vine. That's called a graft union. Do you see yourself grafted into him where it's his, you look in the mirror and go, by faith even, his juice is in me. Jesus, the spirit of God is in me. Or do you see yourself separate? I've found that most Christians see themselves very separate from living in God. And according to Jesus, these things ought not be. We should see ourselves as in him and he in me. Wherever I am, where you go, God is. It's not that you're God, it's that he's in you. It's not that, and here's the other thing, you're never alone. So where you go, he is there. It's whatever I do, he is with me, he's in me. It doesn't mean I do it perfectly, but he's there. He's in me. We have been united. I've been grafted into him personally. Not just a philosophy, not just following someone. I'm in him. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. Here's a mind-blowing passage. But the one who joins himself to the Lord, sounds like what we just described, what Jesus described, is one spirit with him. What? The one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with God. Again, this is so different than the way that I typically see myself. I often see myself very separate. Where are you, God? What's going on? I'm, I'm praying. I don't hear you. What's, what is going on? It seems like there are moments like that. There are days that like, like that for sure. Jesus has invited you and I into something, this abiding thing, where he says, he even said this in his last prayer in John 17, you go a bit down to the last verse, he talks about he and his father living in us. First Corinthians chapter 6 talks about we are the temple of the living God. The spirit of God lives inside of me. So it's that you and I are never separate. We are in him and he is in me. I believe that Jesus has given us an invitation to see ourselves that way. To see ourselves in him. Not just followers. I want to be a follower. I want to be a good son. But I want to have this recognition, this understanding, this mindset, this heart. And when I look in the mirror at myself, it's not just Matt that's getting older. And I see my weaknesses and I'm very well acquainted with my weaknesses but I want to see that behind those eyes is the spirit of God I am in him and his juice is in me his spirit his love his power is inside of me and if we do that I guarantee that our day will be different our life will be different here's part of that is that it's not just me doing what I want to do it's not just me deciding that, you know, I'll take this part of what you say is okay and this other part, you know, I'll just put that. In. No, 
If, if I'm joined with him, then his ways become my ways. If I'm joined with him, then his, the kind of things he thinks about and the kind of things he says are inside of me as well. It's not just me doing what I want to do and then lining up with some of the things that he says. That's not how this is supposed to work. I'm supposed to be jammed in there with him as he's jammed in there with me. And the vitality of who he is is inside of me. And the kind of thoughts that he has, the kind of holiness that he has, then is inside of me. The kind of ways that he views other people. Some of what Robin was saying on the kindness. The kindness of God is inside of me. Right? It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So his kindness, his attributes are inside of me. I'm connected to him. I think that this is the way God wants all of us to live. To see ourselves differently. To not see ourselves just as followers. But as joined vitally with him. One spirit with him. Abiding in him. Taking Jesus up on his invitation. To abide. To stay. To not leave. There are a lot of people leaving. There are a lot of people leaving. Jesus says, don't leave. Don't leave. Stay there. You know, there are certain things that I have in my life that are reminders to me. They help me stay aligned and help me stay connected. Uh, some of those are numbers. Robin just mentioned 1111. Uh, there are numbers like that. Whenever I see 633, you know what that one reminds me of? Matthew 633. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Right? And his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Every time I see that number, it's a reminder to me of something. And since Jesus said this, every time I see a glass of wine or I drive by a vineyard, there's a vineyard close to where I live, I am reminded that this, I am in him. I'm not leaving. I'm staying there today. I'm abiding in you, Jesus. I'm staying here. I'm not leaving. And you and your power and your vitality are in me right now. I may not feel it. So much of living this life has nothing to do with how you're feeling in a moment. So much of it has to do with what you're believing in a moment. And what you're laying hold of that's true. Jesus invited you to abide in him. To change your mindset. To dive in, to stay and not leave. To not just be your own person. Yes, be your own person. But you're not just your own person. I've died. It's no longer Matt that's living, but it's Jesus that lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith. The life that you live, you live by faith in the Son of God. That's all I've got. You guys stand with me. Would that be all right? As I stand on the sub. I would just pray for us with us, if that's okay. And Rob, anything you would say, do afterwards. But I'd like to, if this is like a new concept in one sense, so you've, everyone knows this passage that we just read. But if this is something that is almost strange to see myself in him all the time, I believe God wants to help us to shift our mindset to that. And that I daily get to abide in him and stay and not leave. I'm wrapped up in him. He's in me. I'm in him. This is something he's desired. He's desired this graft union 
all along. Unlike any other religious leader, anybody that's ever lived, they've never been God. Jesus, who is God, is saying, I want to live in you. I want the juice of what I have and the power and the foundation and everything who I am to flow through you. Everything that I am is supposed to be flowing through you. That's the kind of relationship we get. So as a follower, as a believer, which I'm guessing most of us are in here right now, and if you're not, it's a great opportunity to say, sign up to follow him, but also to open up your heart, open up your side, to allow him to be in you as you are in him, to dive into who he is. So why don't we just do whatever is in your heart as I pray, just to respond to the Lord in any way that is in your heart. Jesus does everything by invitation. There's never coercion. There's never force. There's never condemnation. Isn't that wonderful? But there's a lot of invitations. And so, Lord, we just, uh, we hear your words. We read what you said. Thank you for using this vineyard as an analogy for us to understand a little bit that you are the great vine, the true vine. And Lord, you've provided a way for us to be grafted into you all the way and to not leave. And Lord, I ask for each one of us, if this is in our heart, that we would stay there and never leave you, the source of all life, the way, the truth, and the life, that we would never leave you, that we would stay bound to you, in you, and that we would see ourselves the way that you see us, in you. That we would see ourselves as one spirit with you, not separate people wondering where you are, but knowing exactly where we are. We are in you and you are in us. I ask, Lord, that you would remove mindsets that are contrary to the way you've set things up, to what you desire. Break the power of mindsets in Jesus' name that make us feel separate, that make us feel condemned. Any, any and every bit of shame, any and every mindset that is wrong, that is not the way that you described it in John 15, Lord, change us right now. Change our mindsets. Help us to see ourselves as in you and you and us. And help us to see that our lives are not our own. They're yours. You purchased us. You paid the highest price. And we say yes to you. We say yes to you. We say yes to being wrapped up in you. Thank you for bleeding out for us, Lord. Thank you for bleeding out for us for being cut, for being pierced, and for receiving all who would respond to your spirit and your call to be invited, to be joined to you. Lord, I ask right now also for your fruit. I ask that there would be fruit that would come through lives in here today. People who maybe have been asking, where's, where's the fruit, Lord? Where's this demonstration of what you're like in my life? Lord, I ask even as we are doing this right now, taking you up on your invitation by faith, that fruitfulness would take place greater than ever before, greater than what they've ever seen. I ask for grapes. Lord, I ask for fruit that's in the DNA of who they are, who you called them to be. I ask that your juice would flow through them even right now, through their spirit. Give them ideas. Give them um, creative thoughts. Lord, maybe things to get rid of. Father, as you dress this vineyard as you cut off relationships and things that are 
detrimental to us? Lord, would you say, yes, do that. Grow us up in you and thank you that we are never alone. Thank you that you're with us. Lord, thank you for these reminders, whether it's a glass of wine or it's the number 15 or whatever it is that we would remember that we are abiding in you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.